Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Those who uh, have your Bibles here, you're welcome to open with me at Ephesians chapter 4. Um, it's a picture of my lovely family. And um, it's interesting when we, we as human beings are made for community. We're made for you know, I think, in a sense, God said it best right at the beginning. Um, there's this refrain in Genesis 1, and God made something and he saw that it was good, and he made something and he saw that it was good. And then he made man and he saw it was very good. But then in the second chapter of Genesis, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. In the midst of all this good and very good, there's something that's not good, and that's for 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 people to be alone. God didn't create us to be alone. God created us to reflect his image. And God is a divine community. God's not alone. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's a divine family. And God created us for community. And, and, and we see that, the consequence of that in, in our everyday life. I mean, we are part of all kinds of overlapping communities. There's like a family community that, that you might be part of or at least hope to be part of. <laughs> I mean, one, one that you are part of and another one that you might hope to be part of. <laughs> Start your own one. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a work community that you're part of. There's a church community. There's a residential community where you live and all kinds of other communities. You, you might be studying, so you know there might be a community that you're part of there. And if we look at all of those communities, all of them are sort of on a spectrum between healthy and unhealthy. Okay? All communities, because of our humanness and our fallenness, are partially, at, at least partially dysfunctional. Okay? Um, and... Some communities are very dysfunctional, so, so dysfunctional, in fact, that they completely fall apart. And this passage that we're going to read in Ephesians 4 actually talks about community, specifically the church community, but I think the principles in there can be applied to any community. And what it says, if I, if I just have to get to the, to the crux of it, and we're going to look at that in a moment, is that for a community to be healthy, to grow in a healthy way, um, that community or the, the members of that community must be committed to speaking the truth in love. Must be committed to speaking the truth in love. So let's, let's just read um, those verses. I'm, I'm just going to read, I didn't put them up, so I'm just going to read from verse 11 to 13, just as sort of a background, um, where Paul says, um, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people or the saints for works of service or works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until uh, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I can just sum up there. God gave certain leaders or mentors... Um, and then it says to, to do what? Um, in order to prepare the saints or uh, the people of God for works of ministry. Um, 
In other words, the, the, the leadership's not to do, supposed to do the work of the ministry exclusively. They're supposed to prepare the saints for works of ministry. So that's where we get our, our you know, well-known saying, every member is a minister. Or as the, the reformers put it, uh, the priesthood of all believers. Every, every uh, believer is, is, is a priest. Um, so it says, to prepare the, the, the saints for works of ministry so that the body may be built up until... We become mature, in other words, like Christ. So it, t- it tells there what, what the leadership is given for. It's to pr- prepare the saints. What are the saints supposed to do? Work, works of ministry. Um, so that unless we do those works of ministry, unless we do those works of service, the body work won't be built up. Um, until, until means that's the ultimate goal. Until we reach maturity. And that maturity is defined as being like Christ. So, so that's sort of the context. And then it goes on in verse 14. Then, when this happens, that then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what, what this passage tells us, um, firstly, um, is that love, uh, that, that truth and that love is necessary for this healthy growth of, of the community and that we must speak the truth in love. Um, so let's just look at that. Verse, verse 14, if you can just uh, keep those, those verses up there so we can have a look at them. It, uh, the, verse 14 says, Then we, no long, we, are no longer, we will no longer be infants. When, in other words, when we are built up and when we grow into maturity, we will no longer be infants. And, and specifically that verse 14 focuses on the gullibility of infants. The deceivability of infants. I don't know if you've ever seen this. <laughs> we as parents use this all the time. <laughs> it's called the art of distraction. Now, just, just for those of you who either have young children or are one day going to have young children, there are two very important and very fundamental skills that you need to learn in order to parent, especially little toddlers when they start crawling and walking. The one is distraction, and the other one is confinement. Okay? <laughs> you laugh now. <laughs> this, will, this is very useful information. You must write this down. Okay? One day you're going to thank me for it, you know? <laughs> if they can't run around, you know, they can't get to all kinds of stuff that can hurt them. So you put them in a playpen, or you put them in a car seat, and you, you tie them up, and they're safe. Okay? So confinement is very important, but also distraction. Okay, because they sometimes get fixated on things that are not good for them, and then you need to distract them and sort of smuggle that thing away and <laughs> and um, get them to safety. So um, it says that we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And the picture there is. It, 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 because he's spoken of maturity, he talks about infants. And he says, you must grow from being infants to a place of maturity where you're no longer gullible and deceivable, if I can put it that way. And then he, then he uses the metaphor of a, of a boat. 
a ship or a boat with a with a um, what do you call it a sail, and he says boats can be tossed to and fro by the waves. They're at the mercy of the waves, and they can be blown here and there by the wind. If they have no anchor. And, 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 and what, what Paul is basically saying is our fundamental human condition is that we live in a world, in an environment that's unstable. It's not, I mean, the ground is stable, you know, it doesn't change, but water changes all the time. It's unstable. You, you can't get a hold on water. You try and grab water and it'll just go through your hands. It's not a stable environment. And he says, our environment actually is like that. And what we need is truth as an anchor. And that's what it means to grow up. That's part of what, at least what it means to grow up. To move from being an infant to being mature. Is getting that anchor of truth that goes through the unstable medium, the water of our boat, and, and find some solid ground underneath it at the bottom. Because that's what an anchor does. It goes through the unstable in, uh, medium of water and, and then it, it hooks onto the stable medium of the rock or the, or the ground below and gives at least some stability to the boat. And what Paul is saying here is that as a community, truth is like that for us. It's like an anchor that gives us at least some stability within this unstable environment where we are just like boats on an ocean. And then, yes, the waves might still hit you, and yes, the wind might still blow against you, but the extent to which those waves of deception um, and those winds of false teaching can move you are limited. So we need the truth. As individuals and as a community, we need truth. Um, he he defines the if I can put it that way the the waves and the winds of teaching as um, it's just reading there he says uh, waves and and, and, uh, every wind of teaching uh, and then he basically defines it this is sort of parallelism uh, where he explains the metaphor he says the, the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming he says People will, will, will come with deceitful scheming and with craftiness. The, the cunning, cunning there is almost like a, literally what, it, what the word means uh, is, is, is like rolling a, a um, what do you call it, a loaded dice. It, it's, it's, it, the word is, is playing dice, but, but it's like rolling a, a loaded dice. So what he's saying is people will deceive us, especially when it comes to spiritual things especially when it comes to us as the church. People will play with loaded dice to try and deceive us, if I can put it that way. People will use all kinds of deception and craftiness and, and, and deceitful scheming to try and be like winds and waves that knock us off course, that, that push us in directions that they want us to go, rather than in directions that, that God wants us to go. And, and we need that anchor of truth to, to keep us stable in all of that. <clears throat> So, truth is, a, is what anchors us as individuals and as a community in reality. And part of growing up 
growing from infants to maturity is getting a strong truth anchor that limits the damage that deception can do in our lives. And then if you look at the last part, so the first verse, verse 14, he talks about truth. The last part, he says, from him, that's from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And what he tells us there is, what he shows is, is the need for love. He says, if we want to grow as a community and grow in the right way, um, we, we need to grow as a body. And, and he, he sort of mixes, Paul is notorious for mixing his metaphors. So he's, he's, he's got the body metaphor, uh, and he talks about growing as a body, but then he's also got the building metaphor, and he talks about being built up. You know? So he mixes his metaphors. But he says, for those things to happen, it, must, it can only happen in love as each part does its work. Um, in other words, what, what, he, what he's saying is, Love is not passive. Love is what pushes us into action. Love is what makes us want to serve one another. When it says that the, 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 the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are giving for the equipping of the saints for works of ministry, for works of service, the thing that wants us that, that makes us want to do works of ministry or want to serve one another is that love. In other words, love activates us. Just truth by itself can make you very passive. But love activates you. And <clears throat> if the whole body is experiencing that love, then the whole body is activated so that each part does its work. But, but there's two sides to it. On the one hand, love activates every part to do its work. But on the, that's on the giving end. But on the receiving end, love also enables every part to receive from one another. To receive the work that each part does. And to celebrate what each part does. And if that love is not there, um, you know, truth can, you can have the sort of anchor of truth. But, but it can be very passive if there's no love. It can be uh, lead to, to a community that sort of stagnates. Um, so what I want you to see here, whatever community you have in mind, whether it's the family community, the sort of normal nuclear family or the extended family, whether it's a business community, maybe you've started a business, a small business, you have people that you employ, they're a community, whether it's the church Whatever community it is, needs both those things. Needs both truth and love. Okay? Now, that's what Paul says in the middle, in verse 15. He says, instead of just being victims of deceitful scheming, instead, in contrast, we should, uh, we should be speaking the truth in love. Or by speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And <clears throat> we can just go to the next slide. I just uh, drew up a little um, diagram there on the next slide. <laughs> um, uh, I just uh, drew up a little diagram of um, just four quadrants of truth and love and, and what will happen if 
if they are present and, and if they are absent. Okay, while well, they're looking for them. Um, there we go. There we go. Okay, now if you just see those two axes, the, the, the vertical axis as truth and the horizontal axis as, as love. Okay? When both truth and love are absent, if truth and love are absent in your life, then you're an enemy. Right? Okay? Uh, you, don't, you don't speak the truth to people and you don't speak in love to people. Okay? Then you're an enemy. What, <clears throat> what will happen instead of growing... They won't grow up. They will, people will die down if they experience that from you. No truth and no love will cause people to die down. Because truth and love is sort of the ingredients what, uh, that um, people need and that a community needs to grow. So if you can see a community metaphorically as a plant or a tree, it needs to grow in the soil of love and it needs, the, say, the rain or sunlight of truth. Uh, be, be, be planted in the soil of truth and, and it needs the rain and the sunlight of, of love. And if it doesn't have either of those, it's going to die down. Now, if you have love but not truth, you're an enabler, right? And what will happen then is people might grow, but they'll grow skew because the truth is what gives people direction, what gives the community direction in the way that it goes. So, so there, will, there might be growth if there's love, but it will be crooked growth. In, in other words, this is what happens in so many families when parents spoil their children. They give them what they think is love, but they don't also give them truth. They always only comfort them and they never confront them. And they do grow, but they grow skew. They become spoiled brats. So often this is a problem, uh, or, or this, this, this problem really shows up when, um, when, there's a, when there's circumstances that, that, that are very difficult and that are dangerous to the children. Like, for instance, drug addiction. You know, If a, a son is a drug addict and... He lives in a family where there's a lot of love, a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings, but no truth, no confrontation, a lot of comfort, but no confrontation. Then that person will just abuse the situation. And the family, even though they think they're loving this drug addict son by being soft on him and being gentle and forgiving again and again and tolerating and so on, what they're actually doing is they're enabling that person to grow in the wrong direction to grow crooked, to grow skew. And in fact, the whole community, the whole family will end up growing skew. You just see it most clearly in the person that's in most bondage. <laughs> but actually, that situation only shows up the problem. It doesn't create the problem. Then, if you only speak truth but there's no love, then you're an enforcer. And what people do is they grow hard. They grow hard. All that you do is you criticize people effectively. That doesn't cause people to grow in a healthy way. It, it eventually causes them to grow hard because, you know, at a, at a very fundamental level, people, people know who they can trust. 
And they know that they cannot trust someone that doesn't love them. There's this old truism, you know, people don't care uh, uh, how much you know until they know how much you care. No, and, 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 and when you only speak the truth but not in love, you run, you, you run up against that, that reality, that people don't care how much you know the truth until they know how much you care, love. People eventually actually won't receive from you. But even what they do receive from you will only harden them. If from a position of power as a parent or as an employer, you come and without any love impose the truth on them, and you might even be right, even if you are right, you can shove that truth down their throats, but all it's going to do is harden them. You know, that, that you know, metaphorically, the, 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 the little boy is going to say, um, you know, if you say, you know, sit down, you know, the boy's going to say, okay, I'm sitting, but in my heart I'm still standing. And, and, and employees, you know, are going to do the same. You know, if you just come with truth, but it's not out of love, not out of a place of caring for them, of wanting their benefit. And, and, and so often we make this mistake when we try and win the argument and we care more about being right, us being right, than us helping the people. Um, whether it be our children or employees or, or, or whatever. Um, and then, if you speak the truth in love, sorry, then you're an edifier. And I, I get that word edify from, it's sort of an older English word. I couldn't think of a better one. But it's mentioned a couple of times in the passage. In verse 13, it talks about built up into Christ. And in, in, in verse 16 as well, it says, when every part does its uh, um, every part of the body does its work, the whole body is built up in love. And, and, and the word edify literally means built up. So, so if you're an edifier, you're someone who builds up. And the only way to build up is to speak the truth in love, to have equal measures of truth and love. And then people uh, will not die down, they will not grow skew, and they will not grow hard, but they will grow up. They will grow into maturity. They will be healthy growth. In the individuals will grow up and the community as a whole will grow up and grow in a healthy way. So there they won't be a hardening, there won't be a crooked growth, there'll be a, a good and, and, and stable growth. If, if, you can, if I can put it in this way, and, and excuse me, I, I was trained as an engineer, so I, I sometimes think in mathematical terms, you know, when I come up with ideas. You guys know what a vector is, okay? A vector is something that has both Power and direction. And if I can put it that way, this way, spiritual growth is a vector. You cannot just have the power of love. You also need the direction of truth. Okay? You, you need both. Otherwise, it, it doesn't happen in a healthy way. We need to speak the truth in love. If we, if we don't speak the truth and we don't do it in love, if you're down at the bottom quadrant, an enemy, then you discourage people with deception. Okay? Very dangerous. If you you know, speak the truth, but not, uh, if, you, if, you, if you give love but not the truth, um, if you're an enabler, in, any, in, in, in other words, you encourage people in their deception. That's why you, you basically get them to grow skew. You get them to grow crooked. 
Um, if you're an enforcer, you discourage people with the truth. <laughs> but if you're an edifier, you encourage people with the truth. Okay. And this is very simple. I know this is, this is so simple that you're thinking like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, in a sense, this, this all rings true. And this is almost so obvious. But, but I, I think you're getting the sense that this is actually very important. And, and even though it's obvious, it's not that easy to get right consistently. But the success of your family, the success of your business, the success of our church, the success of our country, all depends on this. Our ability to speak the truth in love. Every community that we are part of, its health, its growth, depends. Its healthy growth depends on our ability to speak the truth in love. In, um, let's go back to the scripture, um, if, you, uh, if you please. Um, in verse, let me just see, uh, verse 15, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. In other words, the challenge here, notice that in every respect, or in everything, or in every way, uh, the challenge here is that even when we speak the truth in love in one area of life, it doesn't necessarily mean we do it in all areas of life. So, so often, we'll get it right to do it in one area of life. You know, we'll, we'll speak the truth in love, but in other areas of life, we'll only speak truth, we'll only give love. Now, let me just make this very clear. Truth without love is not really truth. Right? And love without truth is not really love. Remember what, what 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Okay? So you cannot really, you know, have the one without the other. Um, if you think you have the one, if you're high on the one and low on the other, you're actually deceiving yourself already. Um, but notice it says that we must grow up in everything, and that's the challenge. And that's why we need a community. We need one another because we have certain blind spots where we, you know, you're really great at speaking the truth in love in one area, but in other, another area you suck at it. You know? and, but you don't see it because you have a blind spot. And, and the thing about blind spots is you cannot see your blind spots, but other people can. Trust me, your wife can. Okay, any married men that can? <laughs> your wife can see your blind spots, you know, and, and, and then, then she'll, you know, make you very aware of your blind spot. And, and when she does, she also has the choice whether she can speak, whether she's going to speak that truth in love or, <laughs> or not in love. And, and that's going to determine how effective it's going to be. Um, so it's, the challenge is in every area, saturating all of our lives and all of our community with truth and love. Or truth in love. And, and then interesting, it says, um, we must in every respect, um, literally it says, grow into him. Grow up into him. And then the next verse starts, uh, from him the whole body is joined and held together. And, you know, it's very interesting how the gospel is something that takes us both into Christ and from Christ. 
It takes, the, the whole aim of the gospel is to become more like Jesus, to enable us to become more like Jesus. But the only way to become more like Jesus is from Jesus. The whole strength, everything, the whole growth comes, comes from him. And if you just go to, to the last um, slide that I have up there, and I just want to close with this. The epitome, the epitome of truth in love is the gospel. John 1 verse 14 says, The word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that grace and truth is, is basically another way of saying truth, truth and love. Um, the gospel is, is the crux, the very heart of truth and love, or grace and truth, if, if you put it that way. Because the gospel, on the one hand, is brutally honest with us and tells us exactly what we are and where we are, even when we don't like to hear it. The truth of the gospel cuts like a knife. So often when the gospel was preached in, in the Bible, people were cut to the heart. Why? Because the sharpness of the truth cuts deeper than anything else can cut. It's brutally honest with us. And, uh, you know, we can, we can sort of convince ourselves that we're okay. We, can, we, we want to convince ourselves that we are better than we think we are. But the gospel won't let us get away with it. The gospel is so radically, it says to us, we are so bad. We are so sinful. We are so fallen that Jesus had to die for us. That's how radically sinful we are, you know? So, so very uncomfortable truth that the gospel confronts us with. But then, in the very same breath, it says to us that we are so loved that he was glad to die for us. We are so sinful and, 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 and wicked that he had to die for us, but we are so loved and accepted that he was glad to die for us. And, and so, the gospel is the ultimate speaking of the truth in love. And, and, and it brings both of those together. On the one hand, the, the truth of the gospel, the truth that we are so wicked, so sinful, so guilty before God, so bound in our sin, so captive to our sin, humbles us, strips away all of our pride, and humbles us to the ground. But on the other hand, in, in the very same breath, the truth, the same gospel, gives the truth that we are so loved that Christ was glad to die for us. And that encourages us. That lifts us up. That gives us confidence. That even though we are completely undeserving of love and acceptance and blessing and favor, we are guaranteed that love and acceptance and blessing and favor because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let me put it to you in this way. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a scripture that many of us have memorized. You know, and hold on to, you know, when you, when you sin and you confess your sin, you hold on to that one like, thank you. But notice he doesn't say, he's, <clears throat> doesn't say he is um, faithful and merciful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see that? It says he's faithful and just 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> what is God's justice? I thought ju- God's justice was the problem for us. I thought God's justice is the, the reason why we're in trouble. And here, John says that God's justice is the reason we can be forgiven. What's going on there? Why? It's, it's the law of double jeopardy. You cannot prosecute two people for the same murder. You cannot convict two different people for the same crime. See, if Jesus was already convicted for our crimes, if Jesus was already executed for our betrayal, then God's justice demands that he cannot punish anyone else for the sins for which Jesus has already been punished. If Jesus has already paid the debt in full, then it would be unjust of God to demand for us to pay that debt as well. So here's the thing that I'm trying to say. Jesus' death and the gospel, remember I always say the gospel is good news about what Jesus did to save us, not good advice about what we must do to save ourselves. Okay? The gospel is good news about what Jesus did to save us. And what Jesus did to save us by dying on the cross, by rising again, and by pouring out his spirit on us, and guarantees our relationship with God and gives us a security and a confidence we can never otherwise have. Now, take that, which I've now discussed on a personal level, as a, on an individual level, and extrapolate that to a community. How will a community look? How will a community feel? How will a community act that is both humbled by the truth of the gospel and emboldened by the love of the gospel? How will such a community look? How will such a family look? Do you, do you, do you want your family to be such a family? You want a healthy family? Then... You, then if you want a healthy business, if you want a healthy church, then we shouldn't only speak the truth in love, but we should speak the most specific truth, the gospel truth in love. And that'll cause us to both be so humble as members of that community, members of that family or that business, that we, our egos will never get in the way. We'll never do things out of selfish motivations. We'll, we'll, we won't be so focused on self, so self-absorbed, self-interested. Um, I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. <laughs> and he says that if you met a really humble person, you wouldn't walk away from them thinking, wow, that guy was so humble. In fact, you you wouldn't really think much about the person at all, except that they were very kind and very interested in you. Now imagine a whole community of such people who weren't, instead of being interested only in themselves and all egotistic and all me, 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 were interested in everyone else in the community. But not in the sort of stereotypical worldly sense of becoming a doormat. Because on the one hand, remember, the gospel does humble us, but it also emboldens us. 
The truth of the gospel humbles us, but the love of the gospel emboldens us. Uh, imagine really bold, really assertive people, but who were so humble that they were serving one another and listening to one another and in, more interested in one another than in themselves. Imagine a community of such people. Imagining raising up, imagine raising up such children. Imagine having such businesses. Can you see the power of this? What Paul says there is very simple, but it's revolutionary. Once we apply it consistently in every area of our lives and in every area of our community. And, and you know, I think it was the beginning of last year somewhere, I preached a sermon on, on, on Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13 in the morning service. And, and if, you, if you didn't listen to it, I want to encourage you to go and listen to it because I really think the whole issue of every member being a minister and of, you know, the fact that we shouldn't wait until we mature before we minister, that, that ministry is not the result of maturity, but that maturity is the result of ministry. That's a, that's a very basic and very important truth that, that must be part of our community. But I think the one that goes with it is this, this whole truth in love, speaking the truth in love and speaking the gospel as it were, ministering the gospel to one another, the truth of the gospel in the love of the gospel. And <clears throat> the reality is the truth of the gospel is more truth than we are able to speak and the love of the gospel is more love than we are able to, to show. And that's why it must be from Christ. That's how we, we grow into Christ, but that's why it must also be from Christ, because we need His grace. We need Him, because He's the only one that can speak that level of truth through us. And He's the only one that can love to that extent through us. Amen. Let's stand. <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart at this moment, a lot of areas in which He's convicting you and encouraging you. Um, but I just want to focus on one as a start. Most of us tend to be better at one or the other, better at truth or better at love. For, for some of us, Truth comes more easily. We, we want things to be right. You know, we're sort of, um, you know, on, on Briar, the, 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 what's the Myers-Briggs, you know, <laughs> thingy, whatever. We're on that side of the scale, you know. And other people, you know, we're sort of task-orientated, you know, and, and everything must be right, you know. So truth, truth uh, comes easily. And, and for other people, you know, for us, relationship is more important. We're on the other side of Myers-Briggs or whatever, you know. And, and love comes more easily to us. So I just want, you know, I just want to ask you, which one comes more easily to you, love or truth? Which one's lagging behind? Some of us, you know, we'll say, oh, I struggle with both, you know. <laughs> God help me, I struggle with both. <laughs> but whatever, whichever one you struggle with most, or even if you struggle with both, just bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to be able to do this, to be able to really speak the truth in love, and specifically to be able to speak the gospel to myself, and to the people in my communities. Just in your own words, just, just bring that to the Lord. It's going to give you a minute or two. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. 
May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jobo.